Welcome to the Partnernomics Show, where industry thought leaders discuss the hottest topics in partnerships, ecosystems, and innovation. The Partnernomics Show is brought to you by IOLite Solutions, a product incubator specific to Salesforce. Now here's the host of the Partnernomics Show, Mark Brigman. Welcome back to another episode of the Partnernomics Show. Good to be with you. Man, we got a special guest with tons of knowledge that uh, he's ready to share with us. I've really enjoyed getting to know uh, this thought leader and channel, Mr. Craig Booth. Craig, what's going on, man? Hey, Mark, how you doing? Always appreciate the opportunity to sit down, speak with you, share a little bit about uh, about channels. So excited to be part of your podcast, and uh, hopefully, I can deliver something uh, and not embarrass us on this call. But I appreciate. Oh man, I have no, I have no doubt that uh, man. I always love chatting with you. I get a chance to to always learn something new, and it's good to dig in with with somebody else that's in the trenches. You know, living here kind of day to day, so it's it's good to compare notes. Good to compare notes with you, but Craig, uh, CEO, founder, principal, Channel Force, an amazing book. I'll see, I've got it around here. I, I still continue to reference it. Hey, I appreciate uh, that, dude. I love it. And uh, thing I love about your methodology, or one of the many things I love about, it, is man, you really take channel to the ground floor. And kind of demystify, you know, what it is, and give people some tactical steps for that. But before we dig in too deep, let me just, uh, you know, have you share your your background. I mean, what did you do before Channel Force, and then why did you jump into the consultancy business? Yeah, great question. So I have been in technology sales for about thirty years. Half that time was in direct sales roles. Actually, had a really good career in the direct, you know, sales side of it. Uh, the other 15 years or so now have been in the, the channel side. And I think I told you the story before that I didn't even know I was in channels. I was hired over at Juniper Networks. And uh, as part of that, they tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, do you, you know, we need somebody to go and sell, you know, help build a resell or, or a go-to-market strategy through Verizon to their customers to, to sell Juniper Networks. Would you be interested in doing that? It was more of almost like an MSP type role. And I said, yeah, I don't know about that. And they said, hey, there's a promotion in it. You guys should really take a look at this. I said, okay. So did I they did. say promotion? Yeah, 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 exactly. Said, <laughs> you got okay, my attention. Okay. So, so, you know, I, I jumped into it and, you know, again, I attacked it like any other sales rep would, identified the pain point of my customer, you know, started mapping out of what I call a strategy board, you know, so I'm mapping out how we're going to take our value, you know, and address it through Verizon to the end customer. And uh, I was really successful. I had a really good, you know, a little bit of luck early on, but um, I was able to build a really good team, put a great strategy in place, really focused on structuring how we, we go to market. And uh, we grew our business from 5 million to 111 million in five years. So that's the background. And that sort of got me into the channel world, so to speak. And, uh, and you know, here I am today. So um, you know, through that, I've also been through a, a couple of other companies as far as building, you know, channels and, you know, building go-to-market strategies. I was actually recruited back to Juniper back in 2019 and uh, took, you know, be, you know, from the point that I had left the first time and a couple of jobs I had gone through, I ended up writing the book that you, you referenced. And I took that methodology back into Juniper and we were 191% of our number in 2020 and 100% of our number by June of, uh, of 2021. And that sort of led me to say, hey, you know what? Uh, my methodology has worked three or four different places. It's really time to see if I can go out on my own and, and you know, deliver this out. Because I think there's some real good value 
you know, there. Well, sure. let's jump into that. So question number one, Channel Force, the book, the methodology, kind of share, share, you know, why did you, you're already kind of starting to get into it, but you know, why did you write the book? And then at a high level, I mean, what is the methodology? What does it address? Yeah, so there's it, there's a there's a lot to that question. Again, 309 pages to that question, but uh, uh, here's here's kind of the the high level. Um, one of the biggest challenges from a sales guy that has moved into channels is trying to understand the the fulfillment model, and uh, that was my biggest issue: is this idea of running out, doing some basic enablement, but having no visibility to what's happening from the point that I've enabled a partner. Um, and that, you know, what my partner seller is actually doing moving downstream. So I felt like there were some issues there. The second thing that I think was a real big challenge was having a very structured process for how we build a go-to-market strategy. So the book was written to attack that issue in particular. And I have a, a, a model that I built. It's called the Indirect Sales Acceleration Model. It's a five-phase model. It starts with a strategy assessment. So uh, I, I start with assessing the solution strength. I, then I assess the market opportunity. I uh, assess the partner's impact, their ability to impact the market for sales. And I assess the reward structure. Um, the assessment then loots, you know, moves to strategy. So the second phase of the, of the model is how do I take that assessment, build a set of strategies around that. So I'll just give a quick example because I can get too deep into this. But every Every assessment has four levels of strength. So if, if I assess a solution, I can have a strong solution, a favorable solution, a competitive solution, um, or a weak solution. And then each one of those assessments has a corresponding strategy. So if I have a strong solution, I challenge the market with my value proposition. If I have a favorable solution, I segment the market around my unique capabilities. If I have a competitive solution and I'm on par with everyone else, then I'm bundling or I'm figuring out how I complement that solution to change the value proposition. And then if I my product sucks, then I need to disrupt on price. And now I'm going at things from a price perspective. So my point is for each one of those four assessments, solution strength, market opportunity, partner impact, and partner rewards, I run through a very similar process, four different you know, strengths, four different strategies, and I bring them together under what's called a strategy profile. That strategy profile is then used to empower a solution to the market. So how do I then build my strategy for how I'm going to you know, enable my partners? What kind of messaging am I going to put in place? So I build uh, an empowerment plan based on the strategy profile. The empowerment plan then leads to an enablement plan. And the enablement plan leads to an execution plan. And that's really what the book is all about. It brings you through those five phases in detail. And, you know, the last thing I would, I would mention, and uh, I think you've, we've had this conversation a bunch of times, the model that I put in place is all about active sellers. That's all I really care about is how many active sellers we can create. And an active seller is somebody that's prospecting proactively in a set of accounts. And so the model really drives that messaging home. And that's how I've had really good success is, is, taking the channel down to the seller level, making sure we've resourced those sellers and that, you know, we've got a structured process for them. So long answer, but that's the, you know, that's the book. In a, in a oh, I love, uh, well, there's so much about, you know, your methodology and what you lay out there, but you know, this, this concept of an active seller, because at the end of the day, that's exactly what, what matters. Um, you know, the, the age old question, you know, is a quality or quantity? Well, it's both. 
but we're both, I think, completely aligned with, it starts with quality and get quality aligned, motivated partners, and then get the increased quantity of those aligned active sellers as, as you call them, um, you know, and I mean, that's what's going to build your program. A freaking signed contract does nothing for you yep. if you do not have an active partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and again, going down, you know, it's, it's the active sales rep. That's really what it comes down to, getting all the way down to the sales rep level, understanding who my champions are as sales reps, who's neutral, who's negative, right? What's the, how many of those sales reps have I turned up? It's probably the biggest issue with, with the channel. It's the reason we have this, 80-20 rule where 20% of our partners are, are generating 80% of the revenue because we have a lot of partners that have been enabled and have been rewarded for fulfillment rather than being proactive at positioning your value in a set of accounts. And, and that's really the, the, the secret. The secret to making a lot of money is you know thinking about if you can take just 10 or 15% more of those passive partners and turn them into active sellers. Well, now I have 35% or 40% of my revenue is being generated, right? The, the math equation holds true all the way through, right? If, I, if I've turned up, you know, my engagement rates and outreach and conversion rates and close rates, that should hold true across the partner community. So if I've turned up a whole bunch of additional partner sellers and they're prospecting with the, and running the strategies and the messaging, we're going to have this a very similar you know math equation that's going to drive that revenue. So to me, you know, this is a something that every channel should be looking at. Every channel leader can can drive a better ROI by lighting up their existing partners that are that are passive right now. This next question, so you've you've addressed this to a great degree, but I want to ask to to double click on it and to do essentially like a comparison contrast between the channel force methodology and then what we've seen a lot of other, you know, I'll call it channel sales methodologies over the last 40 years. Uh, in a nutshell, what's the difference between the channel force methodology and, and some of the other approaches that are, that are taken by other organizations? Yeah. That, by the way, that is a great question. So first of all, um, I have, I, I want to compliment anybody that's taking a unique approach to to try and solve the the challenges of of the uh, the uh, channel. Uh, you know, my approach uh, for me, it again, it goes back to the active seller, like like we talked about. And if we if we if we move the channel downstream far enough, we can literally turn the channel into a math equation. And some of the the unique things that I do is one, having a structured prospecting process that we lay over, over the top of our go-to-market. Go to that's one of the things that's missing. We do a lot of account mapping, but we don't equip that seller very well with the structure that they need to be, to be successful at prospecting an account. So what ends up happening, we end up with a lot of uh, account mapping that goes nowhere. We never really got anything out of it because that seller wasn't given a recipe. So when we equip that person with a sales play that has the right messaging, and again, the sales play is built around a strategy, not just built around a bunch of marketing documents. It really is taking and defining the sales process, each step of that sales process, and then equipping the seller to execute it well. But when you put, you know, the prospecting methodology that I use is called 4321. I want a partner seller prospecting in four accounts. 
I'm equipping him with three different types of emails, an introduction email, an objection handling email, and an offer email. I want him to make two follow-up phone calls between the first email and the second email. And I want him to um, agree that he's going to leverage a referral to get to the economic buyer. And so by running that 4321 process, it takes no more than you know, 10 minutes a day uh, for three days a week over a three-week period to run the prospecting process. And when we do the scoring right for the for the accounts around an ICP and we and we're measuring the relationship scores of those individuals with the with the economic buyer, we end up with a 22% or greater hit rate. So we start to find success early in, in the process. So what I do that's, you know, again, quite a bit different is, um, is focusing on those active sellers. It's turning the channel into a math equation. And that's, that's, that's huge. It's not just kind of hope as a strategy. We can do predictive revenue streams by understanding how many active sellers that we're trending on. And once we know an average deal size, we know the, the close rates, we have an idea of the engagement rates. We, we can literally pr produce a predictive revenue stream outside of a forecast. So I love, uh, you know, some of your webinars, you, you talk about, you know, reverse engineering. And I'm very much into the numbers, into the models as an economist. I think that's one of many reasons why we get along so well. It's, hey, it's time to, to turn this thing from an art into a science. You can put numbers behind it. You can make it predictable. You can make it repeatable. You can turn it into a process, but it's 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 not just the front end of enablement. Here's a stack of, of PDFs. Now, you know, let your magic happen. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. taking management and leadership down to a much deeper level uh, with that partner seller and and activating them and helping and enabling their success far beyond the initial wave of, of education, of product education. No, 100%. And that's, you know, that's a great segue because, you know, the last webinar that I did, I, I was talking about a performance tool um, that I have built. And so, you know, part of what we're doing is we're collecting like 11 points of data. We're plugging this into a tool that I built and it comes back. It tells you, you know, if you're a channel account manager or a channel leader, you know, this is how you're going to go and, and get your number. You need X number of active sellers. Um, you need to pipeline business in Q1, Q2 uh, to, in order to hit your number by the end of the year. It'll tell you how many uh, partner account managers you're going to need to manage the, the, the process. I mean, we get into a, just tons and tons of data that builds out a very structured plan for how to go out and, and attack and make the revenue. And I've got a, a, a tool that's very similar that takes it down to the partner level and we can actually plan the partner's performance to say, here's how many target accounts we need. Here's the outreach that we need. Here's the MDF funding and the cost of that MDF funding to augment the active sellers. So it really is building out this plan. And then I have an application called the TAP app that captures the performance execution of the partner seller and brings back that data so you can compare it with the KPIs we built in, in the very beginning of the plan. So again, very structured process uh, and very detailed, but it's a way to ensure that we hit the number and exceed the number. So Craig, you and I both love innovation. I think a lot of times whenever we hear the word innovation, you know, our, our, our minds go to well, product innovation only, but fact of the matter is innovation just means anything new and just trying to find a better way to do that. You and I, before we, hit the record button, you know, we were just talking about 
this is probably the most innovative that we've seen the channel in its 40 oh, yeah. plus year career, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, since IBM kicked this thing off. And, and you're, you're talking about a lot of the awesome innovation that your team is doing. But uh, let's hit this topic a little bit. You know, let's let's talk about for people that might not have been in the channel for 15 plus years like yourself. Um, let's talk about innovation relative to channels and some of the stuff that you're seeing and maybe even opportunities to further innovate years into the future. Yeah. So, and that, again, this is a huge broad topic. So when it comes to just the general uh, channel, I feel like, man, we're, there are some really great companies that are out doing amazing things um, in, in the channel. Like every week I tend to talk to somebody that's got some new uh, tool or new application um, that they're doing. And, and again, you know, the innovation is all the way across the board. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll call out your, your company, Partneronomics, right? You guys are super innovative in building a structured process that you've now put into a platform. That is, you know, amazing innovation um, in and of itself. And I feel like there's a lot of companies that are going to benefit from, from what you're doing there. You know, obviously there's lots of innovation around ecosystems and platforms and cloud markets and, and different, you know, go-to-market uh, approaches. On the Channel 4 side, you know, that was sort of the the hallmark of, of starting the company. I felt like, wow, I've got some really different approaches that are solving some real key problems that the channel is, is struggling with. So, you know, for me, uh, the innovations that we've done have been strategy profiling. So the idea that we have a tool that you can answer a bunch of survey questions, I'll spit out a strategy profile that gives you an idea of what we need to do to build the right type of messaging and the right type of strategy to take forward through the partner community. Um, the partner planning tool that I have where we're sitting down and we're actually mapping out the territory and we're mapping out a revenue plan for how we're going to get to uh, get there. And then we're building the resourcing plan around that. Again, that's another innovative approach to what we're doing. And then finally, I would say, or I wouldn't say finally, but the uh, tap app is another um, application where we're actually, you know, collecting the strategy execution of the partner seller and when they're prospecting. And so we can, again, go back and build a, you know, the channel into a math equation. We can say, tell you how many active sellers you have, what accounts they're prospecting in, what the activity is within those accounts uh, for prospecting. I can tell you your engagement rates, the number of meetings, the conversions to, you know, um, uh, you know in, into opportunities, your average deal size. So it becomes a dashboard that I can, you know, manage the go-to-market side of, of this, uh, you know, e equation in a really succinct way. Um, and that dashboard comes back and tells you how a campaign's functioning, how a partner's functioning, how a cam is functioning against all of those metrics. So it's a, I, I think it simplifies channel management and it's, it's, a, it's a great tool. So, you know, th those innovations, active sellers, you know, turning things into a, into a math equation, I think are really key for, how companies are going to be driving forward. Yeah, so. it seems that there is a ton of innovation, like you've mentioned, uh, in the channel all across the board, whether you're looking at SaaS providers, different SaaS solutions that's out there, process, all of these different ways to go to market uh, more with partners. Uh, but I think in that innovation, it brings all of these additional choices and frankly, additional complexity almost, you know, yeah. for channel leaders to look at and to decide 
what is my best approach going forward? Uh, the last question here that I've got for you, Craig, is um, I'd like for you to speak to that channel leader, that uh, that channel manager, the channel chief. When they're looking at all these different options, all these different processes, all this different technology that's coming in. How would you boil it down or what's what's kind of the advice that you would give to him or her as to you know how to cut through all of the yeah. options out there yeah, and, that's... and try to focus a little bit on putting something forward that's well, going to work? By the way, I, it, that is a great, great question. So, you know, I don't know that I have like a super great answer other than like anything, right? We, we're all surrounded by noise all the time. And I think that there's more and more marketing. We're getting bombarded everywhere. And I think one of the biggest cha challenges that probably you and I and, and every, you know, uh, vendor that's delivering, you know, value in this space is running into, which is how do people know to focus on partneronomics? So how do people know to actually dig into, into uh, channel force when they're getting hit with, you know, competing messages, there's a thousand and one things. So for me, the most important thing, when they, you know, anytime we're faced with a lot of noise, it's let's boil it down to what's our core mission. Let's go down to the, to the key thing that we're trying to do. And if, you know, the channel's mission is to drive revenue and it's to, it's to create that incremental revenue at a lower cost and at a faster time to market. And if that's your mission, that's what you're trying to get out of your channel, then let's take it down to the, to the, the lowest common denominator, which is the partner seller and the customer. And focusing our energy and our attention and our innovation in that space is what's going to roll up all those metrics further up. Uh, on the other end of that, I, I, I would also say having a really solid uh, vision for how you're going to manage the channel. We can have all that that activity and those metrics going on, you know, down below. That's really good. But if you don't have something like Partner IQ over the top of that, that's the umbrella that brings it all together from a messaging standpoint, from a management, from a policy, all of those things. And I think your channel can fall apart. So I think having both of those two worlds, you know, solidly done thought through and and putting a, a, a good plan in place and executing on it um you know th that to me is what matters all the other things should fit in all the other innovations and tools should fit into those two buckets your relationship between the vendor and the partner and your relationship between the partner seller and the customer and you've just got to build your strategy around that so anyway i love that man it's like put your customer in the center and then map your way backwards uh, yeah. with through partners this this channel this indirect route you're taking set your partner in first map it back make sure you don't have any holes or be aware of of where they are what you have to have a solution for but again like in our past conversations you know whenever uh you know i look at your methodology it's it is a thick book it is detailed there's a lot in there and i love that uh but it's because you need to be aware of all of these different gates and potential landmines that, that we could be tripped up on. But I love that you have a lever at each one of those and, and it is a math equation. And that's what's, that's what's allowing partnership professionals to turn channel and turn partnering from an art into this blank canvas. We're not sure what it's gonna look like in the end, to a science where we know what we're driving towards and we're, we're putting numbers, we're putting process, we're putting 
technology in place that will help us do that. Make it repeatable, make it predictable. It's, it doesn't have to be a guessing game. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think you're spot on on that, right? It's, it's all the connected tissue that's running around data. And, and that term is tossed around quite a bit. Like everybody's got like a data driven this, that, or the other. Um, but the reality is if our data collection or what we're, what we're focusing on is way too high up in the data stack, then we're, we're running metrics on circumstantial evidence where when we're getting down to the, to the details of who the partner seller is calling on, what activity are they, are they doing? What was the engagement? What was the response? When we're collecting that data, um, and I think I told you before, I have a company that I work with called Splash Metrics that has this automated buyer's journey that we're collecting data from the customer's interaction with our messaging. When you start to get to that level of data, it truly is a data-driven channel. And when we have that full visibility from the customer to the part, you know, being able to attribute the value of the partner to the sale and their activity to generate that sale all the way up to the general partnering metrics. Um, you have that end-to-end -end visibility. It is such a powerful story and it allows you to course correct uh, quickly. It allows us to shrink the number of partners uh, that we need where we can focus on the, you know, the number of sellers that we are going to grow within those partners. I just think it's, you know, doing it right, doing the data collection right, focusing on the right things will have a tremendous impact on the revenue creation of the partner. Could not agree more. Well, Craig, I'm looking forward to our continued collaboration. Yeah. I know we're both numbers geeks and uh, we're, we're definitely all about bringing science into partnering and uh, finding a better way for clients. So I look forward to continuing to work with you. Continued success uh, with Channel Force and all the awesome work that you're doing, man. I'm, I'm already looking forward to the next time I can hopefully drag you back on the show. Yeah, by the way, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit today. So you've been great, Mark. You bet. Thanks, Craig. All right, thanks. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Partnernomics Show. Don't forget to subscribe to get the newest episodes at thepartnernomicsshow.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Iolite. To learn more about Iolite, visit iolitepro.com. And Partnernomics, the science of partnering. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics courses, coaching programs, and consulting services, visit partnernomics.com. See you on the next episode.